he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Father God, we thank you for that safe place. That safe place. With you. There's no other place we would rather be. Continue to keep your loving arms wrapped around us. Be our strength and our redeemer. Now, Father God, as I stand before your people, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, may these words not only reach the throne room, but may they reach the depths of someone's heart today. May they find a lodging place. May they be watered by the Holy Spirit, and may they spring forth in our daily lives. Is my prayer in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Good evening. Good evening. It is such an honor and a privilege to be here with you on this evening for this occasion. I want to say I want to just thank your senior pastor and your executive pastor uh, for the invitation. And uh, I know there are so many others that could have been invited. And so I've counted a privilege and am humbled uh, by the invitation. Um, great uh, men and great man and woman of God and they're doing an outstanding job in leading. It's funny how things uh, work out and uh how things you never know, you just never know. Uh, I sent Jerry to Huntsville, Alabama with my grandmother for eighth grade uh, to do her eighth grade at Oakwood uh, Elementary School. And there she met Regina, amen. And Pastor Edmonds was doing his, was the associate pastor at First Church at that time. And, and then Jerry went to Oakwood and Regina went to CUC. But then they linked back up in Argentina and were overseas together in Argentina. And then uh, here she is now linked back together. It's a way how God works and moves. And so we just praise God for how he's moving in your pastor and your associate pastor, Jerry's life. And all of our lives, God is doing something. Amen. It's good to see Elder Joseph is here from our ministerial director from the Allegheny West Conference. Well, it's a Tuesday night. It's a Tuesday night, but I hope I have my Sabbath 11 o'clock crowd and amens with me in the house. Amen. Now, there's some good news, Elder Joseph, that I see. I don't see a clock nowhere. <laughs> Usually there's one right there, but I just see the screen. Don't put the counter on the screen, but we're going to get right to the message. Jerry is my counter. I, my wife uh, sends her greetings. She had surgery recently, and she's recuperating, so please continue to pray for her. I have a word that I believe that since the time that I received the invitation that I've been praying, it's never a problem, uh, Elder Edmonds, for a preacher to have a sermon. The, uh, the, the issue is, what is the word for due season? I mean, I have sermons. Sermons, I could have just woke up and came that very day, the next morning, and preached a sermon. But, Lord, what is it that you want for your people? And I've been fasting, and I've been praying, and, and, and I believe God has given me something. Genesis, the 11th chapter, Genesis chapter 11. 
Is that, oh, there's Sister Edmonds. I didn't see you back there. That was, that was, uh, that was, yes. Her, her sister was my pet in Danielle. She, if there ever was a teacher's pet, Danielle was it, and she was mine. Miss Janae, that was just my girl. So it's good to have her here with us. Uh, the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis, beginning with verse 31. Verse 31, and there the Bible says, And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. One translation says they settled there. Right? Remember that word, they settled there. And the days of Haran were 205 years, and he died in Haran. Verse 1 of chapter 12 says, Now Jehovah said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto the land that I will show thee. For the next few moments, if you will, I would like for us to consider the subject, God is about to show you something. God is about to show you something. The 12th chapter of the book of the beginnings of Genesis marks what many critical scholars uh, call the beginning of the redemptive drama of restoration of humanity for our original purpose and divine intention. Uh, uh, when you read the opening chapters of the book of Genesis, you discover that we were created to be in a perfect and harmonious relationship with God. And all of that is diminished, if you will, and changes when Adam does not take his divine given covenant authority to kick a snake out of his marriage. Now, in chapter 12 of the book opens, God chooses a man, and it's kind of strange as to why he chooses him. He chooses a man named Abram who was from Ur of the Chaldees and he speaks to him promising to bless him and through him to bless an entire race of humanity. Uh, it is interesting to me, Tibbs, that, that God will choose someone like Abram to be the first role player on the stage in the salvaic redemptive drama. You would think, you would think that as the curtain comes up on the first act of the drama of restoration, you would think that there would be a little more behind them uh, to back their legitimacy as the father of the faith. You would think that God begins the redemptive drama and the curtain comes up on God's story of how he redeems humanity back to himself. You would think God would want to enter the scene with a bang and have the first person on the scene have something that makes sense for why they are the lead character in the first act of the drama. I mean, I often wonder, I often wonder, why would God choose the son of a famous idolater with a barren wife? He chooses someone, Elder Cat Cox, uh, 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 who seems to have a lot of baggage coming with him. And I had to ask God, why would you choose Abram? And it, it was called to my attention, listen, that God wants to build up the one he chooses from the ground up. 
Uh-huh. Uh, therefore, he chooses people who are already on the ground. Because God seeks people who will never challenge his glory. He seeks, Myron, uh, to choose people who know that they are where they are are not by the cause of anything they did. Uh, but they are where they are because God of what God has done for them. Uh -huh. See, he needs to get you in a place uh, uh, where you do, you do not question the guidance uh, and the hand and the move of God in getting to where you end up in your final destination. Uh, God says to Abram Wadeline, this man from Ur of the Chaldees, the son of the idolatrous man, the husband of one who is barren, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to use you. Abram, Abram, I know there is nothing that you see in yourself that will be able to make this happen. I know there is nothing about you that would make you look at yourself and make you say, I am the right candidate. Uh, but Abram, that's all right because I'm going to make it happen. Uh, the word make uh, uh, is a word of creativity. Uh, it implies something being brought into being when nothing was available. Creation implies that there is nothing available, and then God reaches into a, to the availability of nothing, puts his hand into nothing, grabs something out of nothing, and makes something out of nothing that was available. Nothing, see, listen, 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 nothing never gets puffed up. Nothing never gets beside itself. Nothing doesn't cut God out of the equation. Nothing has nothing but time to be used by God. See, be careful, be careful what you conclude about what you think somebody can become based on what you see they have to offer. It looks like to others that you don't have much to offer, but you serve a God who specializes in taking nothing and making something out of nothing. Uh, uh, now, now, the reason why some of you should have shouted a little more than, than that is because you were nothing on your way to nowhere, doing nothing, hanging out with nobodies, and then God reached into your nothingness of your life and fashioned something out of you. He made you something. Some of you have even testified, if the truth be told, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. Uh, uh, do you know what this means? Uh, God, listen, God has been working on you from the time you were born for the purpose he has for your life. It's no accident that you are at Cleveland, Ohio, at Glenville Seventh-day Adventist Church, for such a time as this. God did just not come up with it or you. He's been working on you since before you arrived on the scene, before you, uh, you got here, before you were placed on the planet Earth. You know what Isaiah 49 one says, the Lord sanctified you from the womb. 
from the matrix of your mother, he called you by name. Exodus 33, 12 says, even before you knew me, I knew you. And you have found grace in my sight. Romans 8, 29, 30, whom the Lord foreknew, he also predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified. And of course, Jeremiah 5, 1, 5, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. God didn't just come up with this. This has been in the works for years. He's been working on you behind the scenes since before you even got here. It didn't happen by mistake, chance, or happenstance or accident. How he let you come here, who he let you come here through, who you had to deal with to get where you got. <laughs> What you trying to say, preacher? Well, here I'm trying to help somebody here tonight who has allowed governmental statistics to suggest that where you are born determines what you will become. I'm trying to suggest that, that, that where you are born and what you are born with has nothing to do with what God can make you. Why? Because what he is making you is related, to, is, is related to where you're born so that when you get to where he's going to take you, you can look back at the circumstances you have been dealt and what you have gone through and declare if it had not been for the Lord on my side trying to help somebody better understand that your yesterday that you keep trying to wish away. I'm trying to help somebody to stop being ashamed of your background. <laughs> All of us used to be something. All of us are ex-something. <laughs> because, you see, because your background is, it is everything that you have been through that qualifies you for what God is making you. He's been making you a blessing, making your name great. God has been directing the drama of your life the entire time. How do you think you got out of some of the stuff you got out of? Because just at the time when the devil was going to take you out, the director said, cut. That's why the situation didn't kill you, Veronica, uh, because the director said, cut. It was a part of the making process. That's why the relation took something out of you but didn't take you out. The director said, cut. That's why no weapon formed against you has prospered. That's why what was meant for your evil has been turned to your good. You're going, to, you're going to go through some things because God is getting you ready for greater. And, 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 and every, no, every time you've come across a rough situation, God is going to use it to give you strength to manage on the next level. Everything that becomes a part of your destiny. See, I got into this place, let the privileged folks laugh at you. 
Let the silver spoon saints shake their heads at the hell you're going through. Yes, you've had to cry when everybody else was partying. Yes, you had to work when everybody else was having a good time. Yes, you had to catch a ride when everybody else was driving. Yes, you had to go to the movies by yourself when everybody else had a date. Yes, you had your lights cut off when everybody had money to spare. But every time you struggle, I declare to you that another blessing is being made. When everybody else was having a good time, you were learning how to call on God. You were learning how to lean on Jesus. You were learning how to cry out to God. You were learning how to depend on God. Anybody in here who can say, everything I've been through, God has been making me who I am. So that when I look back over my life, I say, thank God for the mountains. I thank God for the valleys, Kay. I thank him for the trouble that he's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, you know it, I'll never know God could solve them. I never know what, in, what faith in God can do. So what? Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Yes, God is making something out of me. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him God's making something out of me. God has lays a promise on Abram about what he's going to do with his life. He lays a promise on Abram about his future, about what's lying ahead of him. And as you read, you will discover that God says to him, now, Abram, I'm going to show you something. I've got blessings waiting on you, bigger than anything you've ever seen. I've got a future prepared for you, greater than anything you've ever experienced. I've got a future designed for you, more awesome than anything you've ever walked in. I've got a destiny, Abram, waiting on you, greater than anything you've ever been through. But there's, a, there's this one piece to the puzzle. God makes the promise but Abram must participate in the production. You see, God has carved out a future that is far greater than anything Abram has ever experienced. Uh, and you need to know today that God wants to covenantly use you and bless you. He wants to enlarge your territory. He wants to give you favor and increase. He wants to do things for you you've never seen before. He has a future waiting on you greater than anything you've ever experienced. He's got miracles and blessings waiting on you that will blow your mind. I know he's done great things in the past, but my favorite text is Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. For behold, I will do a new thing. See, he says, we can't, our minds cannot even imagine or conceive what God wants and has for us. I don't know who I'm preaching to as an individual in the church, as a congregation, but God has something waiting for you. 
He's got some blessings and some miracles. He's got some healing and some deliverance. He's got some joy and some anointing. He's got a calling. There's a future waiting on somebody. But listen, you can't name and claim it. You can't call it and haul it. You can't throw money on the pulpit and get it. You can't buy some oil and receive it. You've got to work for it if it's worth it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You've got to participate in bringing it to pass. Uh-huh. You've got to work with God and getting the blessing in your hand. Faith without works is dead. The destiny will come only if you work and cooperate with God. Lord, what, what's wrong? My hand is withered. It's been like this a long time. Jesus says, stretch forth thy hand. What you talking about? If I could stretch forth my hand, it wouldn't be all like this. No, stretch forth thy hand. What's wrong? I, I've been here for, for, for 30, 40 plus years and no one has helped me get in the water. Rise, take up thy bed and walk. God just ain't dropping stuff in your lap. We've been listening to some people who say, quote a little scripture, buy a handkerchief and, and in seven days you're going to get it. I just want to know, is there anybody in here who's ready to walk into their future? Somebody in here has had such a hellified past that you are ready to walk into what God has for you. Well, well, let me, let me, let me, let me get into the text. Show me. If you want God to show you where he's taking you, the first thing, if you write them down, number one, you need to separate yourself from people who settle for the suitable. It's in the text. You see, to get what God has for you, Abram, there has to be a parting of the ways with some stuff in your life. Watch the text. The Lord said to Abram, leave your land, leave your relatives, Leave your father's house. Hearst translation, get out your daddy's house. <laughs> now, now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of harsh. That's kind of cold to me because, see, because when you read chapter 11, his father has just died. The patriarch of the house has just died. And God comes to Abram on the heels of his father's death and says, now, Abram, grieve, but grieve quickly because you got to get out of here. Abram, it's all right to grieve, but don't let your grief stop your mobility. Grieve quickly because you got to go. I got some place for you to go. I got work for you to do. Mm -hmm. I was thinking to myself, now God, that's cold. Why in the world would you come to him on the heels of his daddy's dying and tell him to leave his family? Uh, they need him. 
God, he's got to be there for them. He's, uh, he, he's got to comfort them. Uh, uh, he's got to surround them. And God says, what you're missing is my plan for your life is bigger than anything your family thinks. And then it hit me. When you read chapter 11, uh, that originally his father left and was set out for Canaan. But he stopped when he found a suitable place. On the way to Canaan, he stops at Aram. Haran, scholars suggest, is a major metropolis. It's big money. It's big business. Everything is cool. Mediterranean all around. It's a comfortable spot. And his daddy, instead of moving out to where God was sending him, found something suitable and settled. God says, look. I got to get Abram away from that because there's a mindset and a spirit that the family learned from their daddy that on the journey to where I'm taking you, if you find somewhere quicker and more comfortable, they'll just stay there. I'm, I'm saying a whole lot, but I ain't saying it, but y'all should be getting it. So, Abram, I've, I've got to get you away from marginal thinkers. I need to get you away from thoughts that you've been taught. The reason why some of us never go to where God is trying to take us is because we won't separate ourselves from folks who think marginally and in the suitability. People don't think the way they think or do for no reason. You are a product of what you're around. You think certain things and you resist certain things. And in the real sense, what God is about to do with Abram is renew his mind so that he has the right mindset to receive the future blessing. You must have your mind renewed before you are about to walk into your future. Because you've been taught some lies. You've been taught some wrong things about God. You've been taught some wrong things about yourself. So God has to break down your old way of thinking that you've settled into. And the reason why some of us can never go anywhere is because we've settled for marginal thinking in our lives. In a real sense, God is anointing Abram for a purpose. And to anoint means to separate. You need to be separated. There's some people you need to get away from. There's some thinking you need to get away from. See, it was all right before you wanted a blessing. But now that you've been anointed to be used and blessed, everybody can't touch you. Everybody's not going to want to deal with you, and you're not going to want to deal with everybody. You ought to never, hear what I'm about to say, you ought to never be willing to settle and linger around individuals who are not willing to adjust to God's program. Okay. 
not destined to be in a cubicle. I'm destined to own my business. I'm not destined to be the salesperson. I'm destined to own the whole car lot. I'm not destined to be your live-in sex mate. You're destined to be a queen. Brothers, you aren't destined to be somebody's personal ATM machine. You're destined to be a king. And, and, and if you're not ready to separate yourself, some of you are willing to settle for Haran when God wants you to possess Canaan. Some came in with your sin because you're living with your sin. The crowd you're hanging with is not trying to do anything with their life. The man you're sleeping with is not your husband, and he ain't trying to marry you, the truth be told. Now, everybody that just wants to stay where they are, the Lord bless you real good. But do I got some folks wanting to go to Canaan? Listen, listen. Canaan is bigger than this spot right here. We really don't have a clue what God wants to do through this church. Canaan is bigger than 200, 300 people getting together, dragging themselves to church when thousands need to hear from Jesus. Do you understand that there are thousands, thousands, thousands who die every day Going to a Christless grave, that's a shame. I said this to my church on Sabbath. But you know what's a bigger shame than that? That there are people sitting in churches every weekend that don't give up, that people are going to a Christless grave. And you know what's a bigger shame than that? then some of y'all are more concerned that I almost said than you are about people going to a Christless grave. Do you realize what Jesus, and, and, and it's, when I say church, well, you know, I'm at Glenville, but I'm talking about God's kingdom. The Church of God, Glenville, Southeast, whoever's preaching the good news of Jesus. Uh, uh, do you really understand what God wants to do through the church? There is no building that can contain the church. This building, there's no building that can do what God, it doesn't have enough square footage. To be what God wants it to be. Where you going ain't big enough. <laughs> See, we, we, we get so messed up. We, 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 we get so quiet because we're all concerned about how it will inconvenience me. Or, 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 or how much will it cost than, uh, than you are where God wants to do with us? Uh -huh. 
See, there's got to be more than this. Here's what I've come to realize in my 53 years of living. That you are where you start out by chance. You are where you end up by choice. See, you don't just have to separate from others. You got to separate from yourself. What I've discovered is God will not only tell you who to leave, but he'll tell you who to bring with you. He just didn't tell Abraham to leave. He told Abraham who to take. Take lot with you. The next time somebody asks you, oh, 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 why, 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 why are you leaving me? Uh, why you don't call no more? Tell them God didn't put you on my list. God removed, he, he, he erased you from my contact list. Uh-huh. Why don't we go shopping together? God took your name off my list. You were too busy gossiping or well, wanting to gossip. You were too busy wanting to talk about the preacher. You were too busy wanting to go out and drink. You were too busy wanting to go out and party. But God's got greater things for me. Look at your neighbor and say, Greater trying to get my life together. I'm trying to get my credit straight. I'm trying to get off drugs. I'm trying to get my life straight. I'm trying to open up a business. I'm trying to own my own home. And I'm not trying to hang out with suitable people who are not trying to get what God has for them. Your name ain't on my list. And if the text is right, sometimes, Joseph, some of the folks off the list that are X off the list is your family. Some of you keep hanging around with aunts and uncles that are your blood biologically, but aren't your blood spiritually. You can't hang out with suitable people because they'll mess up what God's trying to do and where he's trying to take you. But number two, number two, and let me tell you, leaving is painful, but you got to move. If you're going to move where God wants you uh, uh, to try to take you, 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 must, you must not settle with the suitable. You must move, but also you must trust, listen to this, you must trust God enough to follow directions without having directions. Let me, can I tell you a secret? The hardest thing for me as a pastor to do is to stand before God's people and try to answer all your questions when God ain't gave me all the answers. And because God hasn't given me all of the answers, you doubt that I'm being led by God. You've got to to trust 
God enough to follow directions without having directions. Watch the text. Leave your family. Leave your dwelling place and go to where I'm going to show you. Here's the question. Can you leave the definite to live in the ambiguous? Can you leave what's reliable and walk just being faithful? Leave your family and go and I will show you. Sometimes you're not ready to get what's coming until you leave what you have. <laughs> One of the big wrestlings that we have is knowing that God is dealing with us, but not knowing when the deal is going to end. <laughs> well, one of the struggles is knowing that God is doing something, but not knowing what he's doing. You start asking God when, how long, where, why, for what, and I don't understand. I can't see any direction. And so we begin to think that maybe we're out of the will of God because we don't know direction. So you walk around not knowing now if you are in the will of God because you don't have any direction and you don't know where God is going. But the text suggests you can be in the will of God and not know where you're going. The text says, leave your family and go to Canaan. It just says, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say go to Canaan. It says, go to the land that I'm going to show you. Oftentimes, oftentimes, oftentimes. The will of God is not about what you can get, but what you're willing to leave. Sometimes the will of God is not about what you are receiving, but about what you are faithful enough to get rid of. Sometimes the will of God is not about what you are faithful enough to go to, but what you are strong enough to break away from. Sometimes the will of God is simply just leave. God goes to Abram. Abram, I want you to leave. Response, okay, God, where am I going? Abram, leave, I'll show you. Abram, I'm taking you somewhere. Okay, God, where are you taking me? Leave where you are, and I will show you as you go, but I'm not going to show you until you leave. How they selling their church and ain't even got a place to go to? Just leave. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. We're going out here and just leave. You may not even end up in Euclid. Just leave. God just want to know if you're willing to leave. 
can you trust God enough to not know your destination, but to know that where you are is not where he wants you to be? Honest moment, honest moment. Is there anybody in here that can think back over blessings you got because you left? God says, look, I'm not going to show you your ministry until you quit your job. I know your job is steady and reliable, but you got to believe before I show you what I have for you. I ain't going to show you your husband until you're willing to leave your boo. Can you walk away from the tangible money and let God take care of you? That's what the book says. Because the intensity of your faith is not when you can walk when you see something. But the intensity of your faith will cause you to walk when you don't know where you're going. And people will look at you. Look at me, Mom. People going to look at you and talk about you like you lost your mind. Like you're crazy. Because you're leaving something definite and don't even know where you're going to end up. And if you've got a pure heart, and a right spirit, then you are all right because you know you're walking with God. My grandmother was a Seventh-day Adventist church school teacher. When I started in this thing as church school teacher, and, and I caught some blues, and my grandmother one day sat me down, and she said, listen, if you've got a pure heart, and you are doing what God said do, then when they fight against you, they are not fighting you, they're fighting God. That's what has kept me 30 plus years in the ministry. I dare anybody sitting under the sound of my voice who will willing to say, I may not know where God is taking me, but I know I'm in the will of God. And as long as I'm in the will of God, I don't need to know where I'm going because he has the directions. And as long as I'm walking with him, when he gets there, I'll get there. <laughs> hmm. Last point. God says, this next point is going to bless somebody whose life's been wrecked. God says that my purpose for your life will not be prohibited by other people's bad choices. Yeah. 
When you read the story, chapter 11, we will discover that Abraham had been, Abram had been headed for Canaan along the borders. He was on his way to be a blessed place, but he didn't make it because the person he was with, his daddy, made a bad choice that affected his journey. He was on his way to the fulfillment of purpose, but he didn't make it because the person he was traveling with made a choice that impacted his life. How many of us have had our journey come to a screeching halt because of the people we were hooked up with made bad choices? How many of you really are willing to admit you could have been further in the journey? Your credit may not have gotten messed up if you hadn't hooked up with a certain somebody. You would have opened that business if you've had the partner, if you didn't have the partner you had. You would have been married or at least found the right mate by now. Uh, Have you ever had your journey stopped because you were stuck with somebody who made a bad? journey got halted in chapter 11, but thank God there's another chapter. (laughs) The journey got stopped in chapter 11, but there's another chapter. Is there anybody in here who knows that there is another chapter? One chapter ended on 71st and Cedar, and a new chapter began. But this chapter is about to end. But it ain't the end of the world. There's another chapter. There's another chapter. After all they did to you. After all the lies they told on you. After all they messed over you and how they scandalized your name. After they took you to the cleaners. God says your life is not over. I've got another chapter for you. Is there anybody in here who can say that the only reason I'm here right now is because I'm walking in chapter 12? (laughs) In chapter 11, you lost your job. In chapter 11, they stabbed you in the back. In chapter 11, they lied on you. In chapter 11, they ridiculed you. In chapter 11, they fired you. In chapter 11, they walked out on you. But I'm so glad that's not the end of my story. There is a chapter 12 where God will pick you up and start you over again. And I need somebody to testify today that I'm blessed, I look good, I shout, because I'm in chapter 12. See, see, chapter 12 is my glory, but chapter 11, that's my story. I'm not, listen, I'm not shouting, I'm not shouting and rejoicing because of chapter 12, I'm shouting and rejoicing on chapter 11. Because when I see everything I've been through, how they did me, 
how they dogged me, how they damned me, how they said I never would be nothing. But God picked me up. God placed his hand on me. God chose me anyhow. I've lost some things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still got God. And as long as I got God, I can get back anything I've lost. Yes, yes. Some of you may have heard the story. Many years ago as a little boy, I was a fan. I was a fan of the Batman television series. Adam West, Burt Ward, Eartha Kitt, with colorful imagery and a multitude of talent. These classic actors could always be relied upon to keep the watching audience happy. My favorite part of every episode was always toward the end. Teresa, the, the villain of the day, the Joker or the Riddler or the Penguin or the Catwoman, would always find a way to capture Batman and Robin. And they would tie them up, place them in a device, and if not handled correctly, would lead to their demise. And just as the episode was ending, the voice narrator would come on and say, does this spell the end for the dynamic duo? Is it curtains for Batman? Has the Cape Crusader met his ultimate end? Has Batman finally met his match? Has his goose finally been cooked? And right then the narrator would say, stay tuned until tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. And just on watching that, the watching audience could celebrate. Because just knowing who Batman was, we knew how the story was going to end. Jesus is dying on the cross. He's buried in a borrowed tomb. It's Friday. The narrator takes the mic. Does this spell the end for the king of kings? Has the son of God met his ultimate end? Is it curtain time for Mary's baby? Stay tuned till Sunday morning. Same Jesus time, same Jesus channel. And based on that, the children of God can shout on that. Because based on who we know Jesus is, just we know how the story ends. Somebody lost everything you had in chapter 11. Uh, somebody lost your way in chapter 11. But stay tuned. Same Jesus time. Same Jesus stand Stay tuned. There is a chapter 12. Stay tuned in his word. But stay tuned. Our faith tells us just how the story is going to end. Glenville. Place of grace, whoever you are, God is about.
to show you something. 